Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. God's good to us. Amen. Let's go to Exodus 15 tonight. And uh, before we get into our message tonight, I want to say I'm so happy tonight to have uh, uh, my son and uh, our, uh, his wonderful wife, our daughter. I just call her our daughter. She's not our daughter-in-law, just our daughter. And uh, uh, Pastor Philip Steele and his dear wife, Laura Steele, and my, come here, come here, James. You just got to come up here. Come here with Paul. I just want you to see this. Look here. Can you say hi? This is Philip James. This is his pensive look. He's trying to figure y'all out. Amen. But he's been playing all day with Paul and wearing Paul out. Right? Uh, full speed ahead. You don't see it, but right now it's all, it, the mechanics are working. He's just waiting to push the button. Isn't he, isn't he cute? Just beautiful. But this is, this is uh, my son and, and his family, and we're so glad to have them with us. They are on their way to a camp meeting in Joplin and came down from Illinois and spent the night with us and spent today with us, come to church, and God's so good. Amen? I'm telling you, when I look at my son and his family, I just see the goodness of the Lord, and uh, it, it blesses me. When your kids love the Lord, that blesses you, and you know, this is, and, and I say this publicly, unequivocally, my son is proof positive of the power of a mother that will pray, and that will lead their home right, because, uh, uh, you know, in some of his formative years, I was not there. Uh, his mother and I uh, divorced, and uh, uh, through probably no fault of hers, but the point is, is that she raised him right, and he's here in church tonight, pastoring his own church, and I'm so grateful for him being in my life, so thank you. Amen. Exodus 15 is where we want to begin, and uh, I want to talk about having faith in the love of God, faith in the love of God. And uh, there's three things we have to uh, always remember is, and always believe. Always believe, number one, uh, uh, what God said about himself. What did God say about himself? Never put your trust in what God said based on what somebody else said God said. you got to know what God said about himself. Amen. I've heard people make statements about the Lord and I thought, well, where'd they get that? Because that's absolutely contrary to what God said about himself. So I, 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 I got to believe what God, that's what you've got to believe. What did God say about himself? Right? Then, number two, believe what God said about his word. For, for instance, in the book of Jeremiah, he said, is not my word like a fire that burns the chaff to pieces 
And is not my word like a hammer that breaks into pieces the rock, one translation says, of the most stubborn resistance. So that means if there are things in your life that need to be consumed and destroyed, the word will do it. And if there's things in your life that need to be broken and moved out of the way, the word will do it. Right? This is not just a book that we quote for comfort. This is a weapon. This is, this is a hammer. This is a sword. This, this, this word will absolutely form your life. Amen? You've got to believe what God said about his word. Second, thirdly, believe what God said about what he would do. How will God react in situations? I've heard people tell me, and, and I've been doing this a long time. I've had people say, well, you never know what God will do. And I'll say, only if you don't read his word. If you read his word, you know what he'll do. Amen. My wife, we'll, we're, we're celebrating 29 years of marriage this year. She can tell you how I will react to certain situations. Amen. If, if you want to know how I will react, don't go ask somebody that doesn't know me. Amen. And you've got, you've got people, Christians, that are letting the world tell them what God said. The world can't tell me what God said because they don't know God. You've got to know what God said about what he would do, right? There are people who say, well, you know, Jesus, you know, Jesus, he preached unconditional love and acceptance. No, he didn't. He preached repentance. He preached turn. Is that what he said? The very first message we see Jesus preaching after he was baptized, it says after he was baptized, Jesus came preaching, repent, change your mind, turn, turn away from the way you're going and go this way. That, that's, that's the whole thing. Do, do you see this? This is what God said, and God said in his word that when we repent and when we make things right, that then he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, glory. Exodus 15 and verse 26. Now, we're going to begin here and read the latter part of this verse. Notice what he said. He said uh, in Exodus 15, 26, I will put or I will allow none of these diseases on you that I've allowed on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that heals you. All right, now that, th this is important because he uses that phrase, I am, which is a blank check. All right, I am, I am, and then he says, the Lord, Jehovah, all right, the self-existent one, the eternally existent one, I am this, I am Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord, your healer, I am the Lord, your surgeon, I am the Lord, your physician. In other words, he says, these diseases were allowed to come on the Egyptians, but if you do what I'm asking you, they won't come on you because I'm your healer. In other words, I'm not the Egyptians' healer because they're not, oh, they're not following me. They're not doing what I'm asking them to do. But as far as you're concerned, I'm the Lord that heals you. Oh, hallelujah. It's that blank check. Exodus 23 and verse 25. Notice. He said, you shall serve the Lord and he'll bless your bread and water and take sickness away from the midst of you. Amen. One translation says, keep sickness far away from your company. 
Another says, I'll banish sickness from among you. Hallelujah. Do you see this? Now, I'm reading these verses for a reason. Deuteronomy 7. Oh, hallelujah. (laughs) I'm coming. Deuteronomy 7. And uh, let's start here. Let's look here at verse 14. And you shall be blessed above all people. There will not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And the Lord, now see, this is important because it's the same Lord in Exodus 15. Right? Same Lord. When, when, when you see the word Lord, it's Jehovah. And he says, the Lord, now this is important, will take away from you all sickness. Now, he set the precedent in Exodus 15 when he said, I'm your healer. Only a healer can take sickness. A doctor can't take sickness. He can help you with sickness. He can give you medicine to alleviate the symptoms. Only a healer can take sickness. Ah, glory. And so he said, I'll, in Exodus 15, he said, I'll heal you. In Exodus 23, he said, I'll keep it away from you. And then here in Deuteronomy 7, he said he would take it away and that none of the evil diseases of Egypt that you know would come on you, but they would go on all that hate you. All right? Now, one translation says you'll be healthy because the Lord will protect you from those dreadful diseases. Is that right? Another one says the Lord will keep you from getting sick. Hallelujah. Another one says, the Lord will keep you free from every disease. Oh, that's important. Every disease. Everyone, name them. Everyone, name them. Whatever it is, he said, I'll keep you free from it. See, that's what God said about himself. That's That's what he said. There are people that will tell you God will put sickness on you to teach you something when he says here that he's making a, 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 a difference between the world who Egypt is a picture of and you. He says those diseases, you know they came on them, but I'll keep them away from you. Because I'm your healer. <sighs> ah, Glory. When God makes a promise, it is an eternal promise. Titus chapter 1, verse 2, you don't have to go there, you can write it down. It says, in in hope of eternal life, God who cannot lie. God cannot lie. Not won't lie, cannot. Some translation says God won't, God doesn't. No, he cannot. If you say God won't lie, you're implying he can If you say God doesn't lie, you're implying he can. But when you say God cannot, God cannot lie. Why is it that God cannot lie? God is forever eternally existent as truth. He is the the essence of truth. He is the genesis of truth. When God says something, it's true. It doesn't become true. It is true. Hallelujah. Do you see this? So it's an eternal promise. What God says is eternal, never changes. 
Numbers 11.23 says, God is not a man that he should lie. He's not the son of man that he should repent. Has he said it and shall he not do it? Has he spoken it and will it not stand fast? Amen. Now, you're right there in Deuteronomy 7. Let's look at verse 8 because I, I read those verses to you because he's, he's talking about healing, but there's a reason. There's a reason. Verse 8, well, let's read that first phrase. Because the Lord loved you. Now, remember something. Remember where Deuteronomy is. It's in the Old Testament. Deuteron Let me say this. There are people that try to tell you that God has somehow changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But he said in Malachi chapter 3, he said, I am the Lord and I change not. God's mindset about everything has never changed. Oh, hallelujah. The, the, what, what we see in the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And notice Deuteronomy, the word Deuteronomy is a word that means second law. God is dealing here in Deuteronomy with the, the generation after the generation that came out of bondage. And he says here, notice, because the Lord loved you and would keep the oath or the covenant that he swore unto your fathers. Now, those fathers there is not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The fathers there are the families and the fathers that were delivered out of Egyptian bondage. And he made them a promise, too, to take them into the promised land. And he said, because the Lord loved you and would keep his covenant, he redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Understand that God doesn't redeem to show how powerful he is. God redeems because God loves. God saved you because he loved you. Not because he wanted to show how powerful he was. God doesn't heal to prove that he's God. God heals because he loves you. God doesn't deliver to show how powerful he is. God delivers because he loves you. Amen. Everybody under the sound of my voice, all of us were headed for a devil's hell. We had no way out. Our fate was sealed. But wherever you were born again, whether it was in church or on the street or in your room watching TV, at some point the gospel reached into your spirit and the same God that spoke, nothing, that spoke the worlds into existence spoke the word of God into your spirit and because he he loved you. He saved you. When you were of absolutely no use to him whatsoever. You didn't want anything to do with God. Some of us were running from God. Some of us had never known anything about God. But yet the love of God reached us. Ah, glory to God. Oh, Lord. One translation says, because the Lord loves you. <laughs> That's a good place to tell your neighbor, the Lord loves me. Tell them one more time, the Lord loves me. See, this is, this is important. This is important. Because the Lord loves you. Mm. He, he says something. Uh, 
he says, in that translation says, know, recognize, and understand that the Lord your God, he is God. And then he uses these words that are connected with love. He is the faithful God. You cannot be faithful without love. If you don't love your spouse, you will not be faithful to them. Faithfulness is born of love. God's faithful to us because he loves us. In other words, God, the Bible says, Paul said, God's faithful to us even when we're not faithful to him. Because he loves us. Do, do you see this? Ah, And it says, who keeps steadfast love and mercy. Now, this is important because the word mercy there in verse 9 of chapter 7, it is that word steadfast love. In other words, God's love doesn't change. It's steadfast. You're not going to get up tomorrow morning and God love you less. Or get up Friday and God love you more. It's steadfast. It's steadfast. It has to be steadfast to be just. God's love has to be steadfast to be just. Because it's the same for every person. Oh, glory to God. So the covenant begins with the declaration, because the Lord loves you. So the first thing he wanted them to know was he loved them. You know, you may be one of those people that got born again from reading John 3.16. What came to your understanding? God loves me. Is that right? Look, look at Deuteronomy 7. You're right there in Deuteronomy 7, verse 12. Wherefore it shall come to pass, if you hearken to these judgments and keep them and do them, that the Lord your God will keep unto you the covenant and the mercy that he swear unto your fathers, the people that came out of, 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 of Egyptian bondage. Notice this. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. Bless the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your land, your, your corn, your wine, your oil, the increase of your kind. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. In the land that he swear unto your fathers. Notice verse 15. And the Lord will take away from you all sickness. Why? He loves me. God operates on the basis of his love. Remember in the book of Hebrews, it says, it says that uh, the ones that God loves, he chastens, he corrects, right? He said, he said, if there's no correction, now the King James uses the word bastard. It said, if there's no correction, then you're bastards and not sons. In other words, you're without a father. You're illegitimate. No father to correct you. So the Bible says that that chastening doesn't feel good for the season. But it says God's doing it because he loves you. And that chastening is working a repentance in you. Because God wants you to repent because he loves you. And he doesn't want to see you fall into the things that you could fall into. Oh, glory. God does not save or heal we said to show his power he saves and heals 
because he loves. His nature is love. He, he said in 1 John, he said, God is love. Not God has love. God is love. Right? Hallelujah. Now, one translation says, the Amplified Bible says, if you hearken these precepts and keep them and do them, the Lord your God will keep the covenant and the steadfast love he swore to your fathers. The covenant and the steadfast love. And he will love you, bless you, and multiply you. So notice, that promise is based on the Father's love for us. It was vital that they understood how much the Father loved them. Why? The entire covenant was based on his love for them. Mm. God went searching for a man like Abraham to get his covenant into the earth because he loved us. It's important. Hallelujah. Look at Deuteronomy 4. Deuteronomy 4. Oh, this is good stuff. I've done it. I've preached myself happy. Deuteronomy 4.31. The Lord your God is a merciful God. Now, there's that word again, full of steadfast love. And, and, and notice that. I, I want you to see something. Verse 30. When you're in tribulation and all these things are come upon you. Now, tribulation means trouble, pressure. And he said, when you're in this troubled times and all these things are come upon you, even in the latter days, if you turn to the Lord your God and be obedient unto his voice. Now, notice that. The, the phrase for the Lord your God's a merciful God, it's in parentheses. It's a parenthetical statement. It's an explanatory statement. Now, we're going to go back and read that, but, but start with voice, and let's just skip over the, 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 the parenthetical statement. And you'll be obedient unto his voice. He will not forsake you, destroy you, forget the covenant of your fathers that he swear unto them. Now, why? He said he won't do that. Why? For the Lord your God is a merciful God. That's why he won't forget. Isn't that good news? Amen. God won't forget his covenant. Uh, he won't forsake you. Or destroy you. Now, what? that's what God said about himself. So when somebody says God will destroy you, God said he won't. I remember one time my dad was walking through town with a pastor and a guy came out of the post office and had a, a wooden leg. And that pastor said, see that guy? He said, yeah. He said, uh, God did that to his leg. He said, really? He said, because he talked about me. Well, God's not cutting people's legs off. That's not merciful or loving. Right? See, this is what God said about himself. You got to put faith in that. God is not looking to do any harm to me. God's not looking to do any harm to anybody. God loves the world. The problem is the world doesn't love God. 
You and I love God enough to believe in Him. And believe what He said. And then God can reciprocate. Your life is so good because you have such a good God. That will reciprocate. I've had people before say, I just don't know if I can keep living for God. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What do you mean? You don't know if you can keep living for God. You came to God and you had nothing. Your life was going nowhere. Your your marriage was failing. You had no money. Your health was failing. And God gave it all back to you. God saved you. God healed you. God delivered you. Don't ever say, you don't know, can you live for God? I can live for God. Every day of my life, I can live on fire for God because God loves me. Glory to God. God loves me. Amen. Amen. You got to put faith in that. When right, 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 right down the road here, uh, when Pastor and Miss Jeannie were hit by that tire truck, rear-ended in their car. Broke her back in three places. She went in. The doctor said, we got to do emergency surgery. We're going to put two rods in your back about the size of a ballpoint pen. And she said, no, you're not. She said, there's nothing wrong with my spinal column right now. And you're not going to operate on it. And then she made this statement. God loves me too much to let me be paralyzed. No, no, notice, notice. Now, they're people of faith. You know that. But notice what didn't come out of her mouth. I'm healed in the name of Jesus. No evil will befall me. I, I'm, I'm healed and whole and well in Jesus' name. She didn't quote a hundred scriptures. What was her faith in? God loves me too much. I'm telling you tonight, God loves you too much to let you go under. God loves you too much to let your children go to hell. God loves you too much to let your marriage fall apart. God loves you too much. I don't care where you're at and what you may be facing. If you'll just turn to him, he's right there. He's never left you. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. He said, I'm always there. I'm an ever-present help in the time of trouble. God doesn't leave us. We leave God. We don't turn. God doesn't turn from us. We turn from him. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. So knowing what God wants to do is rooted in our knowledge of how much he loves us. Notice Deuteronomy 4 and 37. And because he loved their fathers, he chose their seed after them and brought you out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt. Notice, because he loved you, so why did he show up to a group of people that largely did not want anything to do with him? Because he loved them. Because he loved them. Do you see that? All that God does for us is based on his love nature. Notice John chapter 3. Are you receiving anything tonight? My Lord, my Lord, I was just about to run. I just didn't know if DJ would come on in. Hallelujah. Uh, 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 DJ might not, but Dwayne will. Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Uh, uh, John 3, 
And this is a very familiar verse to all of us. But notice this. For God so loved the world that he gave. His only begotten Son, whosoever shall believe in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved. He loved so he gave. Notice what his giving was motivated by. His love. You see that? His giving was motivated by his love. He so loved. He loved the world to such an extent that he gave Jesus. That's what motivated his giving was his love. Somehow, sometimes when people preach, you kind of get the idea that, that, you know, God was kind of upset with man. And God was never upset with man. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling us to God. So if we had to be reconciled to God, who had left? Now here's the question. Can God lie? Can God change? Is God love? So that means he's always been love. And he always will be love. In the garden, who left who? Left who? Did Adam leave God or God leave Adam? And God loved the world. The world. So much he gave. To do what? Reconcile the world to God. All the world isn't reconciled to God because the world won't, the world won't believe. But those of us that have been reconciled to God, we are not only reconciled to God in terms that we have been forgiven of our sins, we were made righteous. We were sanctified. We were made holy. We were made sons and daughters of God. We were made heirs and joint heirs with Christ. Why? Because He loves us. See, it never crosses my mind about failing because the scripture says this is the victory that overcomes the world even my faith I'm a born overcomer I was born with that overcoming gene think about this have you thought about this lately That if they would do a spiritual blood test on you, your blood test would come back God positive? But listen, what's the scripture say? But of him, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, of him are you of, of, preposition of, it denotes the substance of something, where something came from. This is a pulpit of plexiglass. You have shoes of leather, but of him, of God, of God. Where did I come from when I got born again? Of God. I am of God. Of, but of him are you. Say me. me. Say I'm of God. I'm of God. What, hallelujah. Of him are you in Christ who was made sin, who knew no sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Why? 
Because he loved me. He loved me. Paul said, it's not works of righteousness that you have done, but it is the blood of Jesus Christ that reconciled you to God. I didn't do anything to make God love me. God loved me before he saved me. I responded to God's love. And when I responded to God's love, God's love responded to me. And every time you put faith in God, you're responding to God's love, and God's love is responding to you. When you miss it, 1 John 1, 9, you know what it says. It says, if, if we confess our sin, he is faithful, there's that word, and just to forgive us of our sin. What do you do when you confess your sin? You respond to the love of God. Every time you confess, Lord, I missed it. You're saying, I know how much you love me. And I'm coming to you and I'm confessing that I missed it. And I'm repenting and I'm turning away from it. And then you expect God to do just what he said he would do. And cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Glory to God. I'm telling you, I've watched people over the years. And they'll make a mistake or they'll, they'll miss the mark or sin. And then they won't do anything spiritual for a while. They won't pray. They won't get back in the Bible. Oh, you know how bad I missed it. Listen, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that means that thing that could have separated me and my father, the moment I confessed it, the moment I said, Father, I missed it, forgive me, he said, okay, whoom, gone. Just like it never existed. So that means if you missed it, you need to get up the next morning and get back in your prayer closet, get back in the Bible, keep studying, keep believing God because God doesn't remember what you did. He said, I'll take it and I'll put it in the sea of forgetfulness. Respond to God's love appropriately. Hallelujah. I've had people come to me before that were dealing with sickness. And they'll say, Pastor... I've searched my heart and there's no sin in my heart and there's no unforgiveness and, and there's none this and there's no that. So what you're saying is that there's something you can do to cause God to heal you. Because what you're saying is there's nothing I'm doing wrong. So if I was doing something wrong, I could do something to correct that. And then because of what I did, God would heal me. God doesn't heal you because of what you do. God heals you because he loves you. Your faith has something to do with getting healed. Faith is what? Hebrews 11. 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the word Greek word pistis. It means the conviction of Something being true. Hope is a word that's a picture. It denotes, it denotes something in the future. Here's the thing. Love is the power source of faith and hope. Many times it's not that people don't have faith or don't have a picture. They don't have faith in the love God has for them. Because in order to get the picture out of the realm of faith into the realm of the present, you got to know how much God loves you. And you got to believe how much God loves you. 
Should I search my heart for things that may be blocking my healing? Maybe, but understand, it's not what you do that heals you. God heals you because He loves you. Do you see what I'm saying? Fear is not an appropriate response to the love of God. Look, 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 look at Hebrews 2. Do I got time? I do. If not, I'll take it. You won't dock me, will you? Listen, y'all haven't had me for how many services? A few? Been a while? James says it's been a while. Jim says, yeah, it has. <laughs> Glory to God. Notice this. Uh, verse 14, Hebrews 2, 14. For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, himself likewise took part of the same, took part of flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy, paralyze, strip, render inoperative him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Now notice, I know the punctuation is not anointed, but notice there's a colon. He's not stopped. And he not only destroyed him that had the, notice, had the power of death. Doesn't have it anymore. Had it. That is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Through what? Fear of death. Perfect love cast out fear. Is that right? An appropriate response to the love of God is not fear. What is fear? Well, I must be doing something wrong. That's why I'm not blessed. I must be doing something wrong. You might be doing something wrong, but God loves you enough to tell you what you're doing. He'll tell you what you're doing. All you got to do is ask him. I had a dear brother one time that was struggling. I came out and was talking to him uh, in the foyer of the church. And he was sick with a debilitating, deadly disease. And he was sitting there and, and, and he kept telling me, Pastor, I've checked my heart. And I've checked if there's any doors open. And I can't find any doors open. I just don't understand why I'm not healed. And finally I said, Brother, listen, if you've checked and there's no doors open, you've got to quit checking. You've got to start believing. How much God loves you. I have parents come to me and say, I'll tell you what, Pastor, I need you to pray for my child. They're just going to hell. And I'm going to tell you, I raised that child right. And I taught them right. And I raised them in church. Okay, now wait a minute. You're responding out of fear. Because you're moved by how that child is acting. Not by what you did. What's the book of Proverbs say? Train up a child in the way that he should go, and even when he's old, he won't depart from it. What's, what's the book of Acts say? The promise is unto you and unto your children. What did Paul tell the Philippian jailer when he broke in with the torch? He said, what do I have to do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved in your house. Is that right? So, so to respond to the way my child is acting out of fear that they're going to go to hell stops the power of the love of God from working. See, it's not what you did or didn't do. But if you did what the Word says, stand on that. Stand on that. 
God, you love me too much to let my child go to hell. You love me too much for my child to be lost. I know what I see, but I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm only moved by what your word says. And your word says that my children will grow up around my table like olive plants. Your word says that my children will come again from the land of their enemy. Your word says that my children will speak the same words that you put in my mouth. My children, according to your word, will not be held captive. But you will contend with them that contend with me. And you will save my children. That's what the Bible says. See, it's so important. That's responding appropriately to the love of God. If you love someone, you believe what they said and put confidence in what they said. Do you see that? Now, people will say, well, does that mean there's nothing I have to do. Faith is always an act. But you're acting in faith. You're not just acting. Remember I told you the story? I had the lady come to me, and she had cancer, and she wanted to talk to me about it, and so I was talking to her about it. She had been to a healing meeting that we had, and she told me, she kept telling me, well, the Lord ought to heal me. God ought to heal me. And finally, I said, dear sister, why should God heal you? Well, I keep the Ten Commandments. See, I I got her located. You think God should heal you because of what you're doing. Got quiet in this Presbyterian church. (laughs) Doing is involved in faith. But doing is not always faith. You can do out of a sense of obligation. You can do out of a sense of fear. I always wanted my children to respond to me because they loved me. Not because they were afraid of me. I was never one to threaten. My wife never threatened. We were not the family that said, wait till your daddy gets home. Boy, you're going to get it. No, if they needed getting, when I got home, we discussed it, and they got got. But there was no threats. I did not want them dreading me coming home. I did not want them doing the right thing just to avoid the consequences. I wanted them doing the right thing because it was the right thing. You want to live your life without offense. You want to live your life without sin. You don't want to wait till you're battling a physical disease to start trying to clean out the cobwebs. You want to live your life clean. Why? Because you love God. And God loves you. Yeah, but pastor, I've messed up. Well, maybe you messed up. Maybe you didn't start well, but you can finish well. I'm determined more every day of my life to finish well. To finish well. Hallelujah. Am I helping you at all? He didn't give Jesus only for our sins. He gave him for our healing. Isaiah 53 and verse 10. The Amplified Bible says, Yet it was the will of the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief and made him sick. 
He made him sick. It was the will of the God who loves us to make Jesus sick so we could be well. That's what you put your faith in. Not in what you did or didn't do. Well, I, you know, I've been confessing all these scriptures every day. So see, you're putting it back on what you do. You need to confess scriptures, but that's not what you put your faith in. You put your faith in the scripture, not in the confession of the scripture. Does that make sense? Because, because you can get wrapped up in how many scriptures you're quoting. I've said for 20 years, you're better off to have one or two scriptures that really witness with your spirit than you are to go through reams of paper saying things just because you're saying a lot. Because there's enough power in Isaiah 53 and 5 to heal everybody in Little Rock. What do they got to do? Believe it. Hallelujah. You know, we prayed for Sister Pam Hurst Sunday morning that the procedure she was go- undergoing, that it would be simple and easy and that it, that it, would, that it would work to the best, that, that they would get the best possible outcome. I went up to the hospital today, was praying with Brother Bill, and, and she was in surgery, and, uh, but I got a text before I came to church and said uh, uh, they, that she was out of surgery, in, in the room recovering, and she could already tell a difference and was already feeling better. When James Alexander walked in the intensive care room and his daughter was there on machines and the doctor said, we don't expect her to live, he didn't get over there into fear and start asking God, where did I miss it? Why, where did I make a mistake? He put his faith in God's love. God, you love me too much for my baby to die. And, 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 and a daughter... A daughter that the doctor said couldn't live became a miracle and walked out of there and is at home tonight alive and well and whole. Glory to God! 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Got Brother Andre sitting here. Had family members diagnosed with cancer. But he asked us to pray. Amen. They're, 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 they're in the process of recovery. And in the process of seeing that God will do what he said. Because he loves you. When somebody says, why did God heal you? Just look at them. Don't tell them all the scriptures you quoted. Don't tell them all the things you did. Tell them, God loves me. That's why, that's why he healed me. Glory to God. Shh. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> I've had people say, y'all are old school. Yeah, don't wake us up. What we do works. What God, what God does, it works. Amen. 
Ah, glory to God. I say glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Uh, my Lord, my Lord, my Lord. My Lord. My Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for how you love us. And, and I put my confidence in that. When you get the bad report, the first thing that has to come to my mind is, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me. I say, God loves me. I, I hear, and, and, and I tell their story all the time. Here sits Carrie and Jim on the front row. Here, here's a woman right here that had such an enlarged heart. It was displacing her lungs. She couldn't breathe because her heart was so large. I remember I got the report and I got online and compared her numbers with normal numbers. I'm, I'm going to tell you the truth. She should not have been alive. In the emergency room, she died. Not in, not in treatment. She got up to go to the ladies' room and died. And her husband grabbed a hold of her and said, No, you don't. In Jesus' name, you come back. Amen. And she came back. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm shortening the story. And, and they installed a pick line in her body. Dripping that medicine on her heart to keep her heart. Now, this is a simple version, but if you want the details, you can give talk to Carrie. Kept that heart at the right size. <laughs> they said, you'll be on this forever. She said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Is there a pill that you can take? They said, yeah, but you don't qualify. And she looked at them and said, I will be on that pill. One day she started feeling not well. And they went to the doctor. And they asked the nurse practitioner. They said, could it be the medicine? She said, well, it could be, but, you know, we're not going to say that. But it could be. Went to the doctor. Sure enough, it was. It was the medicine. You know what the doctor said? The same doctor that said you'll never be on that pill. You know what the doctor said? We're going to put you on the pill. Is that what they said? And you know what they said? She said when they put her on the pills, I'll be pill free in Jesus' name. I watched her struggle. This is not something I heard somebody say. I watched her struggle for every breath in church. I watched her almost pass out going to teach at the prison in, in, in Ellsworth, Kansas. This is not something I heard. This is something I saw. And I've watched God bring her from that state of dying in the emergency room to serving God, working in the children's ministry, helping with FBI, FBSOM, school of ministry. Sitting here, whole and well, walking the hills with her husband, walking miles at a time. Why? Because God loves her. God loves her. Well, Pastor, if somebody, if somebody didn't receive their healing, does that mean God doesn't love them? Come on. Don't, 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 don't even think that way. God loves me. You know 1 John 
4.16, I'm almost done. The Woos Bible says, and as for us, we have known experientially the love that God has in our case, and we have that knowledge at present, and we have believed and at present maintained that attitude. That what? God is as to his nature love. And he who dwells in the aforementioned love in God is dwelling, and God in him is dwelling. Now notice, he said, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. The word known there is the Greek word gnosko, and it means to have knowledge of or to feel. You have knowledge of God's love. You maybe have even felt God's love. But then he says, we've known and believed. The word believe means that you think that it is true and you're persuaded of it. Knowing God's love is different than believing God's love. I got to believe the love that God has for me. Hallelujah. 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 I've had people say, you know, God created man for fellowship. That's at least partially true, I believe. But God created man because God loved man. Everything God does is motivated by love. God heals because he loves us. God prospers us because he loves us. God saves our families because God loves us. God shows us favor because God loves us. What I'm trying to do is we're closing. What I'm trying to get you into a mindset of doing is, yes, there's things you need to do. You need to confess the word. You need to declare the promises of God. But you're, as you're doing that, you're putting your faith in the word of God and God's love for you, not in the fact that you're saying it. That's why Jesus said the greatest thing that you can do, Mark eleven twenty five. 25, after everything that he said about speaking to the mountain and the mountain would move and believing you have received, he said, and here's, here's, the, here's the kicker. Here's what caps it all off. And, and when you're praying and you have all against your brother, go be reconciled. Go forgive him. Isn't that what he said? And when you stand praying, forgive. Why? That lack of love separates me from God's ability to bring to me what I need. But when I know God loves me and I'm operating in love, my faith is operating. See, even, even with that, I don't have time to get into that. But even with that, you know, we base whether or not we're walking in love on whether or not we're offended. Or whether or not I have forgiven. Well, you can forgive me with your mouth and not forgive me in your heart. You can tell me you're not offended and still be offended. Love comes and means it. Jim, I was offended at you, but I forgive you, brother, because I love you. Now, I wasn't offended at you. Right? And, I, and, I, and I'm fixing that. Why? Because I know how much God loves I've had people say, oh, I can never forgive that person. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You have to do it with the love of God. And here, I'll end with this. And what's the Bible say about love? It never fails. Let's end up tonight, shall we? I hope you got something out of the Word tonight. I did. Amen. Glory be to God. Mm. 
Glory to God. Say this out loud. Say, I am a love child of a love God. God's love in me is greater than anything that I will face. God's love in me never fails. It never wears out. It never grows tired. God's love in me will always overcome. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.